Anyway, I found this part of a letter he wrote to Lawrence, and it made me think of you. And me, I guess. The truth is, I am an unlucky, honest man that speak my sentiments to all and with emphasis. I say this to you because you know it and will not charge me with vanity. I hate Congress. I hate the army. I hate the world. I hate myself. The whole is a mass of fools and knaves. I could almost accept you. Thinking about history makes me wonder how I'll fit into it one day, I guess. And you too. I kind of wish people still wrote like that. History, huh? Bet we could bake some. Hello, I'm Will, and this is my wife, Dallas. Hi! And welcome to a special episode of Not the Beginning, where I'll be reading one of Dallas's favorite books while she takes a little break in between books of the Wheel of Time. Morning, this podcast will not be suitable for younger audiences, and will also contain spoilers. On this episode of Not the Beginning, we will be diving in and discussing Casey McQuiston's new adult romance debut, Red, White, and Royal Blue. So if you have not read Red, White, and Royal Blue, either pause here and go read it, or please proceed with caution. Today's summary will be taken from the back of the book itself. First son, Alex Claremont Diaz, is the closest thing to a prince this side of the Atlantic. With his intrepid sister and the Veep's genius granddaughter, they're the White House trio, a beautiful millennial marketing strategy for his mother, President Ellen Claremont. International socialite duties do have downsides. Namely, when photos of a confrontation with his longtime nemesis, Prince Henry, at a royal wedding leak the, to the tabloids and threaten American-British relations. The plan for damage control. Staging a fake friendship between the first son and the prince. Alex is busy handling his mother's bloodthirsty opponents and his own political ambitions without an uptight royal slowing him down. But beneath Henry's prince-charming veneer, there is a soft-hearted eccentric with a dry sense of humor and more than one ghost haunting him. As President Claremont kicks off her re-election bid, Alex finds himself hurtling into a secret relationship with Henry that could derail the campaign and upend two nations. And Henry throws everything into question for Alex, an impulsive, charming guy who thought he knew everything. What is worth the sacrifice? How do you do all the good you can do? And most importantly, how will history remember you? So... I read a romance book. You did. This is the. I think this is the first romance book I've ever read. Although we were talking about this last night, and I maintain that The Great Gatsby is a romance novel. <sighs> Don't at me, please at me. I will fight you on this, but not today because no. this is not a Great Gatsby podcast. It is not a Great Gatsby podcast. It's it a is. red, white, and royal blue podcast. <laughs> yep, today it is. <laughs> yep. So I have. A strange mix of a lot of and not very many thoughts on this book. So, yeah, I I jotted down some points because you are not a person who tends to take notes when they read. I don't. I just know things. And I am a person who flags their books for fun. Yes, this book is excessively flagged. It is not excessively flagged. Mm, there's like a good hundred, and it's only 400 pages long. I could That's have... one flag every four pages. Sometimes there's two flags per page, but... Well, sometimes there are eight pages with no flags. Yeah. There's a good chunk. Okay, it's excessively flagged. There's a lot of flags, because you have flags on the side and you have flags on the top. The top ones are for pacing. Okay. That doesn't make them less flags. They're still flags. There's also, like, eight colors. There I have a color coding colors. system. I mean, I appreciate a good color coding system. But, yeah. So, I jotted down some notes. Yes. <laughs> But so let's just get your overall thoughts, because this is the first romance novel you've ever read. It is. I liked it. 
the reason I don't like romance novels, the conventions of the genre are still present, but a lot of the ones that I take the most exception to are handled very well. The like, the point where they inevitably break up because they're fundamentally incompatible or something is handled really well and it feels real enough to where it's not just manufactured and they're breaking up because pot demands it. Yeah. No, the conflicts between Henry and Alex in this are very right. and understandable. It's, it's also not shown as a entirely unrealistic one-sided thing. Yeah. I, to get right into the spoilers, we warned you, this is a spoiler podcast. Alex at one point confesses his love or gets right up to the line of confessing his love to Henry. And Henry is like, nope, this is too real now. Uh, too too much shit is going to go wrong if we start admitting this to each other. Right. And he's right because things do go real wrong. They do. And I think like in that moment, it's very much not, I just can't emotionally deal with you telling me that you love me. It's, I am the heir to a throne and gay. So like... Right. There's, there's a lot of stuff going on and I actually think him being gay in the position that he's in and just in general adds a more... I don't want to say acceptable, but it, it sits better in my brain when I read it like that. Where it, it's like... There's a, an inherent conflict built in because... Right. There's, just, there's queer just relationships so much more on the line... Yeah. In accepting this type of relationship, especially for a British royal. And it doesn't feel as out of place for him to go, no, this is this is too much. Right. And he's also just a very quiet person in general. Right. And Alex is definitely not. No. So, basic overall thoughts, you enjoyed it. I liked it. I don't, uh, like, I, I'm not going to start picking up and reading romance books on my own free will. That's This fair. was not my own free will. This was for a podcast because I'm making you read fucking 14 books of the Wheel of Time, and that's, you know, I'm not making you read the prequel, but maybe we can throw the prequel in there at some point. Well, if it focuses... It's Lan's backstory. If, if it's Lan's backstory, it might be about it's it. It's Lan and Moraine's backstory. Eh, this is, I don't care about This is Moraine. not currently a Wheel of Time podcast. <laughs> it is, though. We are going to talk about Wheel of Time <laughs> of course. for a bit. Um, because we can't not... I basically can't go more than a month without talking about the Wheel of Time anyway, so... That's accurate. But yeah. So I am glad that you enjoyed it. And I think I'm glad that we started off with this book. I think if we had started off with a worse romance novel, I would have had a much harder time wanting, getting through it. And wanting to continue with this possibly reading romance novels in between right. real time. But and I don't know how much of it contributed to it. But like you know this is my favorite book. I do know so. it was your favorite. And that did help. Yeah. Like, you know, you're my wife. I want to, I want to at least somewhat experience things you enjoy. I don't need to make them my thing but like i you know i understand you better by understanding what you like exactly and this book is kind of part of my personality now well yeah <laughs> you do talk about it you talk about this book more than i talk about the wheel of time you've had so many I've had more long... years you've had so many more years to talk about the wheel of time also you don't you're not on a Discord server that is dedicated to no. the wheel of time i'm on a red white and royal blue discord server so that's fair you are inundated with it. I am. They're great people. And now that you've read it, when the movie comes out and I inevitably drag you to go see it... I'll have context. Yeah, you'll have context. And you will be able to understand 
every little detail that I go, well, that wasn't in the book or that was in the book and they didn't do it right. That's true. And I'll finally be able to picture people. Yes, because you can't visualize I things. cannot visualize things. It's weird. It That's a part of, I think, why I don't tend to, I mean, I don't like the conventions in the genre, but I also, I, I can't visualize things. And so in a book like this, where so much of it is left up to the reader's imagination, I just, it's nothing. That's fair. I have no picture. I have no frame of reference for what's happening because I, I literally am incapable of visualizing it. Yeah. For those listening, if you're not familiar with this, this is something called aphantasia, where you don't have like a mind's eye or, or you can't visualize things. So it's like where I get a very clear picture of what's happening when I read a book. He definitely does not. Right. And you'd find you'd think it's weird that I enjoy The Wheel of Time so much, given that it's so very fucking descriptive. But I think that's part of it. Like, I don't need to rely on my own interpretation of what's happening there to get a picture of you don't need to like. You don't need to fill in the blanks because the blanks are filled in for you. Right. Yeah. I know the color and stitching of every single fucking dress there, but people's facial expressions are not... Which has got to be helpful for costume designers. Oh, man. I mean, your mom made me that Matt cosplay, and she, I think, had a pretty easy time because, one, fan art, and two... But the fan art was easy to do because of the book descriptions of Matt's outfit. And I haven't gotten to that part, but I know so much about Matt's outfit because you do think you do, that your Matt cosplay is farther into the books. Ranging so, from not very far ahead of you to very far ahead of you. And so I just know things about Matt that I'm like, what do these things mean? And I've been holding off on saying that for the Wheel of Time part of the podcast. Because you and really I, don't have any actual knowledge. I don't, but I feel like I can safer say it here because we're supposed to be talking about Red, White, and Royal Blue. So, I don't know. It just... There's it's, not, it's not linked to the eye of the world. No. Um, but right now, we're, st- we're still talking about Red, White, and Royal Blue. talking about Red, White, and Royal Blue. And I'm surprised we haven't messed up saying it. Once. I did have a hard time with uh, the... Every time I have to say, have you read Red, White, and Royal Blue? Yeah. That it's a tough thing to say. It is. But yeah. So I guess we can go in because the summary that I picked did not do a fantastic job at like... It's a summary of the whole book. Our our it's normal the, podcast episodes are much shorter sections, so we have actual like scenes and events in them. And I don't think that romance novels tend to lend themselves towards chapter summaries. No, in like a one or two sentence thing, especially not this book. Right, the chapters are long, and sometimes a lot of big important plot points happen in one chapter, and sometimes it's only one per chapter. So. Because I am obsessed with this book, I was able to just jot down the major plot points Yeah. from memory. Yep. And because of my handy-dandy flags at the top of the book, so as <laughs> I was trying <laughs> to figure out the pacing, because I do love Casey McQuiston's writing, and I like want to emulate them in my own style a little bit, yeah. so figuring out pacing is always helpful. Yeah. So, kicks off with Cakegate, as it's called. It's just stop calling everything gate. <laughs> Yeah, well, not but, everything is Watergate, okay? <laughs> I think it especially works though because it is like the first one in the United States. This like stop calling everything Gate, okay? So <laughs> I didn't pick it. So Cake Gate. Alex bumps into Henry and they 
drop a cake on the floor at some... A, not just a cake. A $75,000 cake at Henry's brother's wedding. So the heir to the... Like, second in yeah. line to the throne. Yep. Oh, he would technically be first, wouldn't he? No, this is his mom. It, wouldn't it... Martha. Not Martha. Catherine. Catherine. Wouldn't it pass her up? No. It wouldn't pass up to the first available male... I don't think that's how it works anymore. It wouldn't... Well, I mean, it may... Maybe how it works in the book, or how it it is relatively recent that it that's not how it works. That's true, but I think it would. Because if if real life Prince William had a daughter, it would have gone to Henry, not Henry Harry. Harry. Well, his name is. <laughs> I think. Well, Harry is a nickname for Henry. Sometimes I think. No, I think Harry's an actual name. I'll have to. Yeah, Harry's an actual Harry Potter. Actual it can name. be an actual name, but it's also a nickname, kind of like Jack is a well, okay, nickname yeah, for John. That's dumb. It is dumb. But anyway, if, if Prince William had had a daughter before they changed the rules, they changed it before um, his eventual son was born, the crown would have gone, would have skipped William's daughter and gone to Harry. But they, they changed it, and also Prince William had a son. Yeah. And then had, a, how... had another son. Yeah. Um, Recently? But I think... Hmm. In the red, white, and royal blue canonical universe, it would have gone to Catherine. It would have gone to Catherine, from, and then from definitely not Queen Elizabeth to definitely not Diana. Yeah. <laughs> Although, actually, I feel like in parallels. I mean, it, Diana married in, but think, and so Henry's dad would yeah. have been a Diana figure because he was also an actor. Mm, that's and true. played James Bond. <laughs> that's true. That was a weird. That that was a little weird. It was okay, but. Um, Why did they make the dad so interesting? I don't know. Um, anyway, cake, 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 cake. God damn it! <laughs> oh, this is probably the theme. They, they of this knock podcast. over. They knock over a cake. In, yeah, so, in some sort of altercation, and then they have to, in order to not make it be a major geopolitical incident, because that that's a thing that happens between the first son and a prince. They gotta calm down. They gotta calm down the drama. So they're just they have a bromance weekend, which is the second point. Yeah, they're, they're like they they set up a fake friendship. The the like various PR people are like, hey, you need to pretend to be friends so that we can sell it off as like, oh man, they're just they're just crazy boyfriends. Boy space friends. Boy space friends. <laughs> Later they are. They are boy boyfriends. No space friends. Yeah. Are they engaged at the end of the book? No. Okay, because it feels like they are. No, they are not. Now, engaged. granted, I mean they're like high-profile people, so like. Well, and the crown, you have to do like a, a, they are in an official courtship. Okay. It's something that Harry and Meghan had to go through before they were engaged as well. It's just a, it's a thing with royals. I don't understand. Thanks, I hate it. <laughs> that we're not thoughts, but yes, thanks, I hate it. So they have this bromance getaway weekend, and Alex has to go stay with Henry. Right. And there's lots of banter. Uh, and... They are very good at banter. Well, Alex is good at banter. Henry is not good at banter, but very good at quips. Yeah. Well, yeah, he's very sassy, but like in a quiet sass. Alex would love nothing more than to be in an Aaron Sorkin vehicle where he can talk really fast and walk and talk. That, that's West Wing, right? Aaron Sorkin? Yeah, Aaron Sorkin. Okay. It's like the walking and talking real fast thing. That's Alex. I feel like West Wing is probably one of Alex's favorite shows. I wouldn't be surprised. But yeah, so they are doing some PR. They're 
posing for photos, shaking hands while well, dishing out. Yeah, they're doing that thing where they're they're getting their picture taken and they're, and they're smiling, but they're actually talking shit to each other the entire time. And then they go to a hospital to like... Like a balloon pops and they're like, oh my god, it's a gun. So they get shoved into a closet. <laughs> of course, and they end up on top of each other because of course. Because of course. And they have like this heart to heart moment when Alex is like, do you not know why I hate you? Because you were a dick. And Henry's like, oh, yeah, I didn't really realize that you heard that, but I was a dick. But in my defense, my dad had just died, so. (laughs) Using the old dad died card to get out of trouble. So it seems like they've kind of reached, like, an impasse. Yeah, they exchange phone numbers. They exchange phone numbers. Um, They're texting. Because they, and Alex points out, like, you don't think this is stopping after this weekend, right? Like, we have to pretend to be friends right. for a good long time now. Because if if we just have this bromance weekend and then stop all contact, everyone's going to see right through it. Mm-hmm. So we're stuck with each other. So we might as well get to know each other, actually. Because they were given, like, these fact sheets on each other. Alex's internal uh, bi energy pulling a sneaky there. Yeah, well, I one of my designated flag colors is just cataloging every time that Alex is, like, bi as fuck and doesn't realize that he's bi as fuck. Yeah, the bi panic is real. Very real. <laughs> All about it. And it doesn't, um, it doesn't start until New Year's, which is a little further ahead. Right, but on the second read-through, once you know and it, like, you can go through... I, you could and probably pick it out on the first read-through if you just remember that they end up together. <laughs> that too. Um, but if you're a person who doesn't go, who just goes into books blind... Yeah. Um, I mean, to be fair, you'd have to be blind to not pick it up from the cover. It's it's pink and there's two guys on it, and right. it's a romance novel. So, yeah. like, yeah. Um, the pink designating romance and two guys on the cover designating that it is... A male relationship. Yeah. I wouldn't say gay, because Alex is bi, so they're not both gay. Right. Which I also liked. I liked that one of the main characters was bi. I feel like you don't often get, like, good, well-written, actually bi characters. This And that is one of the reasons that I really enjoy this, and I enjoy Casey McQuiston's writing as well, because in One Last Stop, which I will try not to talk about too much in a way that would spoil it. Because you're probably going to make me read it. Because I'm probably going to make you read it, and I don't want to spoil it for anyone listening who hasn't read it yet, because it did just come out in June. So I will try not to spoil One Last Stop past what's on the back cover. But August is also bisexual in that. Yeah. And... So I think, I, and I just really like how Easy McQuiston writes bi characters. I think yeah. it's really well done. Yeah, and like when Alex is going through his bi panic, he's like, okay, well, I'm definitely really into Alex, but also, like, he has moments where he's like, yeah, especially with Nora. Like, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have also minded Alex and Nora. And, like, in a, there's an alternate universe where Alex and Nora do make a good couple. Yeah, I do think they work better as friends, and I'm also on the Nora and June train so okay, I, that's totally fair. Um, but like, I I just like that Alex still, after acknowledging that he is bi, has moments where he's he experiences attraction to the other gender. Yes, he like, and he has moments where he just like looks around, and like one of my favorite moments uh, for Alex is like 
by or bisexuality is a complicated tapestry or something to that effect. Yeah. Because he's looking around at his group of friends and he's like, he skips over June, obviously, because his, his sister. But he's like, he's looking at Pez, he looks at Henry, he looks at Bay, and he looks at B. Bay, B. Yeah. There's no way her name is Bay. I just, I read it that way and I know that's not how it's supposed to be said. It's but short for Beatrice. I know. <laughs> so he looks at B. And then he thinks of like Sean, and he just thinks, and he's like, everyone's just really hot. Yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> and like I, I, just, I like it because it doesn't, it doesn't just like reduce him down to his relationship with Henry, which I like. The other part I like about it is it, like it's a coming out narrative for him, and he has those moments where he goes back in his own memory, and he's like, how did I not realize this yeah, earlier? It's totally a straight thing to do to have. Your definitely platonic friend jack you off while you're watching porn. That's totally normal, and I. That's definitely something. This is a this is a make. later point, but poor Liam. Yeah. Liam has it real tough. <laughs> a little bit. I mean, like he comes out. He, like he, the he comes platonic back friend the, in he, question is Liam. Yeah, he got a college friend. College or high school uh, friend. High, right, high school. High school best friend, and he still says. Liam is his best friend, even though they haven't talked in, like, four years. Because they broke up. (laughs) (laughs) They were basically dating, and then they broke up because... Alex. Alex didn't realize he was bi. Right. And it's just, like... But when you think... Back to the... um, Because I mentioned the fact sheets on each other. On the fact sheet for Alex, his best friend is listed as Nora and Liam, even though he has not talked to Liam in, like, three years. Yep. But anyway... Circling back around, they have these fact sheets on each other, but that doesn't really cover each other enough to be... Especially not, like, Henry's is way more inaccurate than Alex's. Yes, and so Alex... Which is not surprising. As the prince. Yeah, he's the prince. Um, His fact sheet is very carefully crafted by his PR team of acceptable answers for things. So as they're texting, Alex is just learning all of these things about... Like, what the fuck? Who are you? And he's like, you're an actual, like cool person you're not just like this royal robot right because when henry's given space to not be just the prince and i'm saying not just the prince because he's clearly always the prince like it's not it's not a part of his personality he can put down ever right and and that is i think the difference between alex and henry as well because i think alex can put well he wasn't always the first son he wasn't always the first son he won't be the first son Right. For much longer. Because there's a very limited time window on him being the first son. And even when he goes into politics, like, no one's going to really... Unless he runs for president, no one's going to be paying attention to him after this. Unless people... Unless you're involved in politics. Yeah. But, like, I don't know the names of a random congressman. Like, you do. I do. But you're involved in politics and I'm not. So Alex, politics. I'm not involved in politics. Okay. Big difference. Fair. (laughs) Um, but yeah, Henry doesn't get to turn it off, but he does, talking with Alex allows him the space to have Prince being, or have him being a Prince be secondary rather than primary, I think is. Yeah. Or even like tertiary. Like I think it, I, I think it just allows other things to show. When he's in public, all he's able to show is the Prince. When he's texting or when he later when he like he and Alex have like actual private moments, he's able to show things that aren't just the prince. Yeah. And like one of the things like you I remember you mentioning it that you loved, like he learns about 
Henry's favorite book, he learns about that like her his favorite author being someone else that is not on his fact sheet. Right. And David, his dog. David the Beagle. David the Beagle. Alex right. is just like. All right, you, so, we brought up David the Beagle. <laughs> One, I, I, you can name animals, people names, and I, I generally will like it. Our cat is named Stanley. Well, one of our cats is named Stanley. But the bigger point I have against David the Beagle is that it's a beagle and not a corgi in the British monarchy. He's not the queen. No. And but... clearly this queen is not Queen Elizabeth. One, de- Well, definitely not Queen Elizabeth. No, definitely not. For um, one, about 20 years younger. Yeah. Two. Kiwi 2 is real old. No, no corgis. No corgis. But Alex is like... I'm sorry. I, I, told there were, I was told there would be corgis involved. You were not told there would be corgis involved. I wasn't, but it's the it's the British monarchy. There better be fucking corgis. I mean, I've got a romance novel that has corgis involved if you want to read it. <laughs> maybe maybe in between other Wheel of Time books. It's the one that's based on the rom-com resort. The rom-com resort? I remember I was reading that romance novel, and it was set at a, ro- it set at a rom-com resort where you get to live out your romantic it's like comedy. It's rom-com LARPing? Oh, my yeah. God. <laughs> I just need to die now. <laughs> I won't have you read that. But there is corgis. Our corgis. That is the proper grammar. Words. Words. But Alex thinks David is a stupid name for a corgi. And Henry's like, I named him after David Bowie. And Alex is like, who are you? Alex does a lot of shit. <laughs> and very few people deserve the shit Alex throws. Least of all Henry. But Henry likes it, so it works out. Well, it is an enemies lovers romance. Yeah. So in their texting and getting to know each other, there is one of my favorite moments, which is affectionately called the Great Turkey Calamity. Yeah, Alex has like a fit over the the turkeys that get pardoned every year at the White House being housed in, I think they're like, in real life, they might actually be put up in the Willard. I think they actually say it's the Willard. Do they? I don't, I don't remember the actual name of the hotel in the book, but I'm pretty sure in real life it's the Willard, which is not a cheap hotel. No. We stayed there after we got married. It's a nice we, hotel. Very nice. I'm kind of outraged that the turkeys get put up at the Willard. Yeah, and so Alex is like, no, this is a waste of taxpayer money. I'm going to keep them in the residence. And, and then he, he just, just keeps two going. He's like, big-ass turkeys in the residence, and turkeys are big, and they're, they're birds, so they're kind of dumb, and they've got real sharp claws. He throws a tantrum about it a little bit. He's like, put them in my room, put them in my room, put them in my room. throws many tantrums. <laughs> he does, and I love it so much. But so, he's a, he's got giant turkeys, and if you've seen that one episode of Brooklyn Nine-Nine with the, with the live turkey, and they're all stuck in a bathroom because of a turkey, yep. turkeys are mean. They are not. I mean, they're birds. They're dumb. And okay, I say birds are dumb. Like, crows and ravens actually are pretty smart, but turkeys are real dumb. Turkeys are dumb. And Benjamin Franklin wanted that to be our national bird. I mean, I, I get it more than I, I get it more than the eagle. Turkey's like a source of food. You farm them. But we'd be eating our national an- animal uh, on that, a holiday that we probably should not be celebrating anymore. But I, I mean, I'll eat a national animal. I don't have a problem with that. All right. It's a symbol of sustenance and the the I don't know the like eagles are the majestic. grit of the American farmer. Eagles are majestic. Turkeys are dumb. Also, yeah, that's accurate. So he calls Henry for the first time. They've usually just been texting. But he's like, listen to these birds that are basically threatening to kill me. And they have like this first phone call. Right. 
which leads to more phone calls and more of Henry just surprising Alex. Yeah. And then it gets to New Year's. Yeah. New Year's is kind of a scene where I had a little bit of a problem just with the writing. The content of the scene was fine, and I, I liked how it got there. Felt like Casey McQuiston kind of wrote themselves into a corner in how, how like hard of a turn it had to be there. But it, it worked out, I think, in terms of content. But New Year's is a scene, and there are several scenes, several like groupings of things later that are worse, in my opinion, for this. But New Year's especially, basically what's happening in this bit of the book is there's the White House New Year's party. Or there's a the like White House trio is holding a New Year's party basically. Right. It's like the it's the young kids White House New Year's party. Right. All the interns and Zendaya all the is there for some reason, but not named. Not named, but it's just that girl from that girl from the new, new Spider Man movie, movie yeah. which is one thousand percent Zendaya. Right. And so uh, Henry and his friend Pez show up. Or they're invited. They don't just randomly show yeah. up. Yeah. June invites Henry and Pez, and right. Alex is pissed because he's like. I don't need him here. And it's like, you're supposed to be friends now. Just deal. Right. Which is basically just more of Alex's yeah. by panic. And so they're, they're like going to the party. And then at, at midnight, Alex kisses Nora as like part of like a tradition thing. It's yeah. not like they're not like kissing, kissing. They're like, they kind of are kissing, kissing because that's both of them. And they're uh, both bisexual disasters. Nora is not a bisexual disaster. She is a bit of a chaotic bisexual, though. Yeah, but that's not a disaster. She knows what she's doing. That's true. They're both chaotic bisexuals. So, of course, they have... And so, they're kissing, and and Henry gets very jealous, but hasn't come out to Alex. And so, Henry, like, just ghosts. Yeah. Alex goes and finds him, and Henry rather forcefully kisses Alex, and then just, like, dips. Well... That is the summary of what happens. However, I feel like there's a little bit more nuance to it. Well, of course there's more nuance. It's a summary. <laughs> Alex is just ask, like asking him all these questions. And Henry is like, oh my god, is it not obvious that I'm gay? Like, right. And Alex has been dancing with him all night and like dancing, like hands on hips and like trying to get Henry to loosen up. And Henry's just like, I am... So very gay and cannot handle this. Yeah, he, he can't hang. And he's, what does he say at one point? He when later in the book when he's yelling at his brother, he's like, "I am very deeply gay." Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so the the problem I have with this scene, and there are several scenes later, and I'll, I'll probably point them out when we get to them. It's just that this bit felt too dis like the bits of the New Year's party felt too disconnected from each other. Like the, they just weren't stitched together that well for me. The yeah, and I can kind of see what you're talking about with this section and a couple of the other sections. Um, it's Mostly, uh, and there are large par- portions of it where they're not stitched together basically at all, mm-hmm. but it works much better because those are the parts where they're apart. It's the parts where they're actually together that don't tend to work as well for me. That's fair, yeah, because the like them traveling back and forth after right. they figured there, out there is shit, an, There is an like exception a... to that. I, I think the bit where they're at the lake house is generally an exception because there is more of a common thread through the whole thing. And it's several days, so it's still right. showing the passage of time, and I think the passage of time not being stitched together works when it's several days, not just yeah. hours disjointed. And I think that might be the problem with this section that you might be having, is that yeah. it's just one night. But I also 
have the problem with the bits in Paris and LA and Wimbledon. Wimbledon is one day, but um, the like Paris and LA bits where they're like doing a, a few things in those cities is it just it felt like there was one point to those things but that point was too cut up into the different bits okay. and, and there, there wasn't anything tying them together other than them literally being in the same place yeah whereas when they're apart and they can like text each other and email and call it works better because I think it, you get a much better sense of the distance the like actual physical distance between them and what it's kind of like to be in a relationship where there is that sort of geographical distance yeah so Henry kisses Alex Alex kisses him back but then Henry freaks out and ghosts him he just leaves there, there's a theme here he um Henry does not like it when things are reciprocated no he doesn't um Henry just picks up Pez he's like Pez we're leaving and poor Pez who is madly in love with June yep. <laughs> meets her and instantly is just super super smitten mm-hmm. and proceeds to pine over June for the rest of the book yes um so poor Pez just, sort of. just, he's also real rich he is is, but he just poor Pez gets cock blocked by Henry because Henry cock blocked himself and dipped out. Yeah. Um, which leads to the lovely bisexual panic of Alex. Yeah, Alex has like an extended period of time where he's like, I'm definitely straight, but also Henry? And then he calls Liam. He calls poor Liam. <sighs> and Liam's just like, like look, I don't him? know what kind of sexual crisis you're having right now. And it would have been real helpful if you had it four years ago, but I'm having lunch with my boyfriend. So can we not? <laughs> he's like, I'm gay. Yes. Bye. And I cannot help you. Yeah. Like, yes, what we were doing was not straight. Is that the answer you want to hear? Because it should have been obvious. And I can't talk to you anymore. Yeah. They do resolve that plot line by the end and they become friends again, which I enjoy. Yeah. They kind of have like a, they they reconcile. Yeah. He does that. He goes and talks to Nora. And then, yeah, he talks to Nora, who's bisexual and helps him. And she's like, oh, wait, are we pretending that we didn't already all know that? Would like, would you like to come out to me? Yep. <laughs> um, which also just felt very realistic. Yeah. Um, and then there's like another White House dinner, like a couple months yeah, later, are, which uh, Henry had already been invited to. So Henry's right. showing up and, uh, that's when things kind of kick off. Right. They, do they fully have sex there or is it just a blowjob? I feel it's like just blowjobs. Just a blowjob. it's, just blowjob, it's just blowjobs for a long time. Yes. Um, and yeah, it, they, the, them having full sex is LA, Yeah. which is a bigger moment. We'll talk about LA later because LA is one of my favorite, like just the entirety of LA is one of my favorite scenes, uh, or bits of the book. Um, so they, that's when everything kind of starts between them and, or well, that's when everything gets physical between them. That's when it started gets way early. Yeah. And that's when things get physical between them. And Alex is just like, this doesn't change anything, right? And Henry's just like, yeah, sure. <laughs> I'm not in love with you or anything. It's nope, fine. I definitely always, haven't always been in love with you. Um, not a thing. Uh, so they continue to text and travel back and forth and make all these excuses to be with each other. This is another, I have a few bits that just stand out to me specifically. And the amount of times that they are able to orchestrate being in the same space is weird but more specifically the amount of times that Alex is just able to up and travel to London is just ridiculous yeah like like that that threatened to strain my disbelief that's fair several times I 
I was already like I I don't pick up on those kinds of like it has to be really really like egregious a needing of suspension of disbelief for me to get taken out of something like a romance novel. Mm-hmm. So like I it, like or even for me to notice it. It right. has to just be really implausible yeah um but i can totally yeah it's just i can totally see it it's just ridiculous like especially in the later like quarter of the book when they're just like okay well we're going now Uh, what i don't understand is how it took some people near them so long to figure out why they kept finding excuses it's a re-election campaign very busy yeah but like the only person who it took so long to figure out is the like president's zara zara yeah and that was just because and his mom what his mom's the president i feel like you'd still notice like my son's going to london a whole lot Mm. they must be really good friends (laughs) the president has bigger things to worry about that's fair, but still. Um, and so does Zara. She has bigger things to worry about. Yeah. I kind of get why she's pissed, because she ends up engaged to the her equivalent on the British side, Sean. Sean is not involved with the crown. He is specifically Henry's secretary equivalent um so yeah that is that was a fun twist we'll get we'll talk about that later sure but um that kind of have like a point of just all the side characters and uh side relationships there are plenty so they travel back and forth um alex sees henry what like play polo yeah and they go to paris and that's the first time they actually spend like the night together um otherwise they literally just had a couple they basically had a quickie and then were like right. we gotta go um I have to go before cameras show up. Yeah. And then they continue to talk and exchange some emails. Um, and they talk on the phone. And they that's when it really starts, like, getting more emotional. The emails, I think, especially. Like, and it, that phone about, call. The phone call, yeah. But I think the emails are more important. Just, just for, especially for them and for Henry more than Alex. Because it takes Alex a little bit longer to get into it. But the, I think the, the, just, like, the longer form writing is something that Henry is more comfortable with expressing himself in. And it, he just does it so beautifully, too. Well, he is a British royal. Um, You'd hope that they're able to be eloquent. Yes, he is very eloquent. But they do have, like, a phone call where they admit that they miss, that they miss each other. And yeah. that's a pretty big moment. And just the lovely line of um, he rolls onto his side and listens, trails the back of his hand across the pillow next to him, and imagines Henry lying opposite in his own bed. Two parentheses and closing 3,700 miles. It's a good line. It's a good line. Um, and then they get to LA. There, I don't remember what the event was in LA. So just so many things about LA stand out. Was that part of a DNC? It might have been part of a DNC. No, the LA was, I think, some sort of charity event. Mm. And the Super Six, as the media has started to ah. kind of call them after that event, they all go out. So the Super Six is Alex, Henry, B, Pez, June and Nora. And they all go to this like charity event, then they go karaokeing after and all get super drunk except B because she has she substance has abuse problem. So she's sober. Um she's the only one not hung over the next day and is <laughs> very smug about it, <laughs> which <Yeah>. I loved. <laughs> um and definitely some shenanigans happen in LA. Some shenanigans happen. All just all over the place. All over. Um yeah, after they you know they go karaokeing and Henry lets loose and it's yeah. kind of a moment that Alex hasn't really seen before and B is also like this is a this is a treat to watch my brother like be able to let loose. Um and that's when Alex and Henry kind of fall 
like they have sex for the first time. Right. Like not just blowjobs. Yeah. Um, but there's also Pez, Nora, and June. And something happens there. Something. Something happens because they walk out of the room all looking like the cat that caught the canary. <laughs> so there was definitely something there. Yeah. Who knows what? We never find out for real. No, Alex doesn't ask. No. Which is... And it's never, like, offered, and Pez stops being as relevant after. Yeah, because it starts to focus. After that is when the election stuff really starts to take hold. Which does affect their relationship as well. It does. After L.A. is Wimbledon, which is is nice, but I think ultimately not all that relevant. Like, there's good moments. I think that's... I think it's actually really relevant because that's when Alex realizes that he's in love with Henry. Because they, they go back to Henry's rooms and Henry's playing the piano and teaching him about classical music, but then he starts playing your song. Okay. Yeah. And then they're just... It's a moment where Henry's really vulnerable because him and Philip have a fight. Right. Philip is a dick. Um... I do not like him. He's not a he's not a uh dick without reason though. Like he's got a lot of pressure put he on does, him. He does. Like cuz he's he's taking a lot of the pressure instead of his siblings. He is the he is second in line. Like right. he's the heir. Right. So like Henry's let's say latent gayness and B's substance abuse problems kind of add to the pressure that the queen puts on Philip. Right, because the queen is kind of the only one at this point in his family besides B that knows there's something with Henry. Like, she's never gotten confirmation that Henry is gay until later. Right. But Philip has no idea until Henry shouts at him that he's just very deeply gay, which is one of my favorite lines. Um, But, yeah, the queen just has a general idea that well, she doesn't. She wants possible deniability. Yeah, she wants possible deniability. Um, which, like, I guess fair, but like, no. Um, they go to Wimbledon, and then that's where the side plot starts to kind of come in with Raphael Luna. And I'll let you go into that. Yeah, I thought that was after. Anyway, that was so, after Wimbledon. Okay, yeah. So, so Raphael Luna is a gay senator from Colorado. No, he's from California. Remember. He's from somewhere out west. And he's an independent senator. One, why are there some, there are not that many independent elected officials in a, the national level. But he is friends with Alex's dad and Alex, and he's gay. I think I, did yeah. I say that? Yeah. Okay. And Alex overhears a conversation with his father and Rafael Luna about something with Richards. Who is the Republican The Republican nominee, nominee. Uh, against President Alex's mom. mother. Yes, President Mom. Um, and eventually it is revealed that Richards had selected Luna to be on his cabinet, which again, I have an issue with that because presidential nominees typically don't announce who they're gonna put on their cabinet until they are president-elect, at least. And Alex feels betrayed by it because he kind of sees Luna as a mentor and somebody who He worked on his campaign. He worked on his campaign and he's kind of somebody whose footsteps he's following because Luna was elected very young to Congress. Because he's also Mexican. Believe he's another. He's at the very least Hispanic. I don't know. He's Hispanic. Yeah, which Um, is something we actually haven't talked about. Uh, Alex is half Mexican. His father is Oscar Diaz, a Mexican American senator from California, born in born in the United States. Though he's not an immigrant. Yeah. Um. So Alex looks up to Luna for like one political reasons, and when he's and because he's a he's a brown politician. Right. And when he realizes that he's by. he also sees himself in Luna there as And well. he realizes that's probably also why I latched on. Right. And so when Luna comes out and says, like, yeah, I'm a 
cabinet nominee, which again, I'm not going to get back into it. Uh, <laughs> Alex, Alex, and everybody in his orbit sees that as like a huge betrayal. And Alex is obviously very upset about it. And he goes to confront him. He and does. Linus is like, you you cannot understand why I am doing this. But this is later. That's later. That's no, after. that's like right after. Like shortly after Luna, um, after it's announced, Alex goes and confronts Luna and be like, why are but you But Alex is at the this? DNC when it's announced. And that's when, yeah. and that's when Henry comes. Because um, Henry was in New York for something with Pez. So they weren't able, he was in the States. They weren't able mm. to see each other. It was, think it was something to do with the charity organization that Pez runs. Right for LGBTQ youth. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so they weren't able to see each other, but Henry shows up to kind of right. comfort Alex. And then they spend the night together at the hotel in the DNC. And eventually that gets leaked. Because a, a, a picture from a camera in the hotel that they're staying in gets leaked of them getting into an elevator together. Yeah. Or that just that Henry was, I think, I don't know if Alex was in the picture, but Henry was definitely. Alex was in the picture. Um, And then they're caught by Zara. Well, they're caught by Zara before it gets leaked. Yeah, that's before it Zara, gets leaked. Zara, like, the, the morning after they spend the night together, Zara, like, knocks on the door and it's like, I'm coming, like, I'm gonna give you, like, two minutes to get dressed and then, even if you're not dressed, I'm coming in. Yeah, and so he's, Alex is trying to shove Henry into the closet. Which, of course. <laughs> he's like, we will, he's like, we will deal with the symbolism later. Get in the closet. But, of course, Henry falls out of the closet. Of course. Of course. <laughs> It's not like this whole book is people falling out of the closet. And Zara's like, what? are you kidding me? Just why? And why then are Alex, you doing this? And Alex has this. She's like, you have the audacity to ask me. You are putting your dick in the prince. <laughs> in a prince from England. And you have the audacity to have ask me to not tell the president. Yup. And she and does like, wait until after the convention. He's like, he's like, I just want to tell her first. Is that okay? I, have, I haven't come out to my mom yet. <laughs> And she's like, would it even matter if I told you never to see him again? And and, no. and Alex is like, no, because they're in love. Yep. And then he so talks. he comes out to President Mom. Yep. Who makes a PowerPoint? Yes. And I don't know if I can find them immediately. I do. I know which tab it was. Um, with some great uh title slides from President Mom, like sexual experimentation with foreign monarchs, a gray area. <laughs> Exploring your sexuality, healthy, but does it have to be with the Prince of England? <laughs> yep. Federal funding, travel expenses, booty calls, and you. Yeah. And then she apologizes, like, I'm sorry, these aren't my best work. So that makes me think, like, how many PowerPoints has Ellen Claremont given uh, to uh, Alex and June over the years? Way too many. What I'm was sure. their Birds and the Bees PowerPoint like? I don't want to know. <laughs> No, I do. I I want to know what the slides. I'm good not knowing that information. <laughs> um, yes, and kind of quickly after this is when the picture gets leaked, and then they start in order to like divert attention away from it. They start fake. That's is we've that got, after the lake house. That's after the lake house. Oh shit. Um. So we've got the Waterloo letters, which is where a lot of the really great quotes come from and kind of broke me. It's where the episode intro quote comes from about history. They quote um, historical letters back and forth to each other. And they keep Um, doing that. They do keep doing that after. Um, It's like a recurring theme, which I really enjoy. Um, And like we had mentioned, Henry just writes these gorgeous love letters to Alex and then has the audacity to be surprised that Alex wants to tell him that he's in love with him at the lake house. Right. So the Claremont Diaz's go to this lake house in Texas one week out of the year 
for July 4th weekend. Um, and it's this gorgeous lake house. And Alex brings Henry, which he's never really brought anyone to the lake house before. Mm-hmm. So that's a big moment. And they're like... Nora's there too. Nora's there too. But Nora's basically family at that point. Right. Um, and Alex is like about to tell Henry that he's in love with him. And then Henry's just, just like, like I'm tired. Ducks under the water and leaves. Yeah, he ducks under the water and leaves. And then waits until Alex is asleep and then goes back to England. Which, I mean, kind of shitty, but also power move. And completely ghosts him. Alex is like, fuck it, I'm going to England. Yeah, he just like up and flies to England. And this is this is the one that's the worst because he's like, hey, Secret Service guy who's assigned to protect me, can you, what are you doing for the next 24 hours? I'm going to fly to England. At least he doesn't take the corporate plane. At least like, he, he doesn't, doesn't take... but still. I, it's still ridiculous. It would have been even more trouble if he had just snuck off, though. What I mean, what plane did he fly? He, he had to. He fl- took commercial. He took a commercial flight. He paid for him and Cash's flight to, to London Ridiculous. because he at least knew that he couldn't use Air Force One. Um, Ridiculous. And so he goes to Buckingham Palace and screams. Not Buckingham Palace. He goes to Kensington Palace. It just demands to be let in. And he does get let in. He does get let in. And then he calls Henry an obtuse fucking asshole. Great line. Sure. Um, And then they spend like a couple days together. They do. because they they Which was supposed to just be 24 hours. There's a Secret Service person in London unexpectedly for multiple days. No. No. (laughs) No. Listen. It's a romance novel. Um, yeah, so they admit that they love each other. They go to the Victoria Museum, which is... I do like, really like, I do really like that. That's a beautiful scene. Henry sneaks him in, which apparently he does all the time. He's he has a key. He has a key. I don't know if it's sneaking in if you have a key. He's not supposed to have a key. They just, he does, he's snuck in enough times that they just gave him a key. He's also... He's also the prince. Like, owned and everything And the Victoria there. and Albert Museum is, like, owned by, it's like... Is it Victor- sneaking in if you own it? He owns all the stuff in it. Um... So he takes Alex to the Victoria and Albert Museum, and it's just like this really great scene. It's yeah. it's a really good scene. It is. I really enjoy it. They dance to your song again, which I can't listen to that song without thinking of Red, White, and Royal Blue now. So thanks, Elton John. <laughs> Um, then photos get leaked. Yes, in several stages. So the photo you were talking about gets, that gets leaked. leaked, and they they do a relatively good job of covering it up, even though it's kind of painful for everybody involved. Where they, in order to explain Henry being there at the DNC, this, mm-hmm. this is when they were at the DNC, they have Henry and June pretend to be in a relationship. Because, like, you know, it's, it's the sister. Because June was June was also staying on the same, same floor. floor, and it's convenient. And then Alex and Nora pretend to be back together because they were kind of, like, perpetually on and off. Yeah, they, pret- they constantly fuck with the media and pretend right. to be going out. I thought they, it, it read like they did date at one point. They did date. They did. Yeah, okay. They definitely dated at one point. Um, they decided they were better off as friends. Right. But they continue to screw with the media. Right. Like checking into hotels and then making loud noises. And, yeah. Yeah. And so, so they set up this whole fake thing and it seems to work. And then they're kind of dumb. This is a moment where they're a little dumb, but it's an emotional dumb and I appreciate it. Right. They, they in order to like actually get a moment together, they're like various security details organize them being in the same car. And then they start making out in the same car and they're like, okay, it's safe. This is way too public, but the, the windows are tinted, so we're fine. But they neglect to realize that the front, the windshield yeah. isn't. And somebody took pictures of them and leaked it. And then after that picture gets leaked, or not really Well, with leaked. that with that pe- picture getting leaked is also 
the Waterloo letters that get leaked. Right, all of the emails all get leaked. All of the emails and get leaked. And it's a little it's a little reference to like Hillary Clinton's private email server. And there's been also there's been several private email server oh, scandals yeah, but, over the but years. But this is most recently This is referencing Hillary Clinton's. Yeah. And um and they're called the Waterloo letters because Henry goes on to this whole thing about how when he has an emotion that he can't deal with, he tries to... He puts it in a room. He puts it in a room. And when he had first met Alex and had started having feelings for him, he there was not a room big enough in the palace and he went into the gardens and he tried to stuff his feelings into this Waterloo vase. Right. Um, so they're called the Waterloo Letters, and I love them. Right. And so they're trying to deal with it, and it, this this bit happens really fast, because this is like the last, like, eighth of the book. Yeah, because that moment with the leak is the all is lost moment. Yeah. It's that 75%, like, some big shit's going down moment. Yeah. And I really appreciate that it's not their breakup that is that moment. Yeah, I liked... Uh, this is one of the the. It's a little bit, I think, a, a break from romance genre conventions, as I understand them. Where like usually they're, they're the same moment. Yes, it's usually the breakup moment and the all is lost moment is the same. So there's not a lot of time to get them back together. Right, and I like that it was separate. It felt much more real that way. And it gives them more. It gives more time for you to establish their relationship after they've gotten back together as well. Right. Like, and they go through this, they go through this thing together. They get outed. They have to talk to, like, they, they're public figures. So it's not just them getting outed to their family. They're outed to their entire, like, the entire world. Everyone's looking at them. And, you know, they have to have a meeting with the queen and convince her to let Henry come out. And then Alex has to come out to the country. And he has this speech about, like, I am bisexual. and right. But please do not focus on me. My mom is going through an election. Right. And credit to his mom. His mom supports him, even though it caused her a lot of problems. She does. She's... And she never has a problem with his sexuality. She just has a problem with how it happened. Yeah. She's like, I need you... If you're going, like, I need to know if you feel forever about him. Yeah, which is cute, but I really don't like the phrase because it just is kind of grammatically incoherent. It is a little gra- grammatically incoherent. But it's kind of cute, so it's fine. Yeah. Um, and he's like, I do feel forever about him. And she's like, well, then fuck it. Right. Like, let's go. I'm going to be a good mom. Like, <laughs> right. Um, and that was nice. And so after that and all that shit, Henry has kind of been sequestered. Uh, they fly back to London at the drop of a hat. Yep. And Zara reveals that she's engaged to Sean, the PR guy for Henry. Because there's a communication shutdown, and they can't right. get a hold of Henry, and so, and so Zara she, uses her personal line. Right, and they get in, and they have this whole big conversation, and then they decide that they're going to come out to the queen and be like, hey, f- deal with it. And that's one of my other favorite bits. It's like Catherine's just like... How about I talk to Parliament about how you've been forgetting leaders of other countries' names and forgetting appointments and whatnot, and maybe we should have you removed? Or do you want to let my son come out? Right. And it's just like, go, Catherine, go. Yeah. <laughs> and the, the end bit is all mostly quite predictable for a romance novel. The whole thing is relatively predictable, yeah. but it's it's well done, so it's okay. Yeah. Predictability is okay when it's done well. That's why I like the genre. It's like, I know what I'm getting into. Yeah, that's fair. And it's, like, I, I know that there's a happy ending. And there that's are fair. a few romance novels where there's not necessarily a happy ending, and that's <clears> why... <throat> <against> me. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> I was thinking mainly of They Both Die at the End of the Song of Achilles. 
They both It's died. a bad ending. That's not part of the genre definition that you read to me the other day. I got you. I got it on recording. <laughs> it's recorded. Ha ha. <laughs> we will have a different conversation about this. We are talking about red, white, and royal blue. Yes. But I like the predictability of it. Yeah. There are a few loose ends still. They they come out and they're a you know an official couple and they do the pictures yeah, and they do the pictures and all that stuff and even like at the end part of why I think Philip earlier I mentioned that Philip like bears it relatively well and I think part of why I think that is because at the end when when it's out and it's okay that it's out Philip is like okay yeah, I, Philip's only reason fries. for disliking it, really. Well, he like makes an effort to like say to like relate to the things that they're going through with like the royal consort photos. Yeah, he's and, trying, and, and it I... came across to me like the only reason that Philip was not okay with it was because of what it would mean. What it would mean, and because his only option was to not like that was the only option given to him was to not be okay with it. And once he was given another option, that's not to say he shouldn't necessarily you know just think for him himself or whatever but right part of the point of the book is that when you have that level of responsibility you don't always have the same choices mm-hmm. and when he was given the option to be okay with it he started to make a conscious effort to be okay with it and to accept it well and i you said choices and i think that's one of the reasons why one of my favorite lines is alex says like he is my choice it's like very much saying that like that yeah. theme of like i get to choose and i choose him right so after all of that is the results of the election. Yes, which uh, I will also let you go into because you have thoughts. We have a couple. Yeah, this is just kind of like all all dressing, right? This is this is icing. Mm-hmm. The election has come down. They're, they're they're you know waiting for results, and eventually it comes down. And Henry does end up showing to, up. He's late. But yeah, he Henry is up. there. It comes down to President Claremont, Alex's mom, needs to win either Nevada and Florida or Texas. His mother is a Democrat. If it if those are the three states you need to win as a Democrat, you haven't won the election. You've lost the election. It's a it's a book and it's fiction, and she's they they do a reasonably good job of setting up that it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. She's from Texas. She wins Texas and wins the election. But I'm sorry, like no, there's no <laughs> way. If if a Democrat is in a position where they're going to lose, where they need to win Nevada, Florida, and Texas. Uh, no. That's no, that's fair. Because I, the rest of the country, like the country doesn't exist. The country doesn't operate in like individual discrete units. I have nothing. I have no counterpoints to that. Yeah. I And well, so, something we, we also missed earlier is um, Luna. So right, part the of- reason when, when Alex is able to come out, part of, I think, and that's, I think that's p- probably part of why Ellen maybe had did so well in Texas. Um, yeah, it's revealed that Richards was the one who outed them. Richards was the one who outed them and paid hackers and basically paid people to. His intent was to like make it look like this was a thing, not actually discover that it was a thing. Right. But he Betty. basically surveilled the first son and hacked into a private email server and to out Alex and Henry. Right, to out Alex and Henry, or to manufacture the relationship, which was his actual goal. But then mm-hmm. he was like, "Ooh, this will be better because that's better." And Luna was the one who found all this information and encrypted it and sent it to Nora, who was the resident, it. who was the resident numbers person, yeah. and deciphered it. And they were able to out. They were out. They outed Richards for outing right. Mary and Alex. Right. And so it was kind of like a, a little bit of a good, like, full circle thing for Luna. Yeah. And he got some resolution with his storyline. 
Right. It turns out that Luna had been basically propositioned for sex by Richards when Richards was a senator. And, yeah, when um, when, uh, Luna Luna was becoming in... Right. And then he was blackmailed into into not revealing it. Right. And Oscar knows this information. He's the only one who knew. And that was what that conversation that Alex overheard him talking was. Um, Right. Which was in Spanish. It was. Just to bring in the... So yeah, Alex is there, there are several on... times where they have conversations in Spanish, partially just because, I, like, people around us only speak English. We can speak Spanish and have a little bit of privacy. Right. Um, but Alex is able to eavesdrop because he's bilingual. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's, I think, the entire book. That is the entire book. Um, we've talked about a lot of the overarching themes, which, I mean, the election is obviously one of them. Yep. Um, and, like, the, um, Alex's by panic. Henry it's consistent. is consistent, um, moments of Henry just having his internal gay panic. Like, he yes. knows he's gay, but, yeah. like, the, is Alex interested in me or is he not interested in me? Yeah. And then there's that feel, there's that theme of, I'm trying to find a way to say it, like, responsibility and duty. Duty. Um, that they both feel. There's a quote from The Wheel of Time. Carry on. <laughs> I, uh, I need to I need to Google it. So at one point, Land tells Rand, duty is heavier than a mountain, death lighter than a feather, which is so very Land, but I think also a little applicable to this book. Yeah, it's the, the duty that you feel weighs really heavily and right. it's something that they really struggle with, but sometimes shirking that ends up being rewarding. Yeah. And I think one of the things that I really like about this book and Casey McQuiston's writing in general, and I've heard people review One Last Stop say this, that Red, White, and Royal Blue is very much about coming to terms with your own sexuality. Because even though Henry, and Henry knows that he's gay, but he's, he has to come to terms with his sexuality, what it means in the public light. And Alex is to figure out his bisexuality. Like he doesn't know about it at the beginning. He's he's coming out and coming to terms with himself and then also has to come out on on a global scale. Right. Um, so it's very much, like, Red, White, and Royal Blue is very much a story about queerness on a personal level. And One Last Stop, which is Casey McQuiston's second novel, is about queerness on more of, like, a community scale. Sure. But that's one of the, like, I really like that as a theme. Like, yeah. figuring out your own sexuality and figuring out yeah. who you are as a person. Because it's not just their sexuality that they're figuring out. Is Henry learns how to express his own interests and learns how to be his own person, not this person that the crown manufactured for him. Right. Because he ends up buying a brownstone in New York so that he can run a charity organization. He basically tells the queen, like, nope, I'm not joining the military like most people are, like most royals do. I want to run this charity organization. I want to do, I think that I can be useful elsewhere, not just another mindless royal. Yeah. And Alex decides his own path with politics and it ends with him setting up to go to law school setting up to go to law school and he changes his timeline a little bit his goals don't change it's just the timeline of which he wants to accomplish his goals change because he has other priorities now right he doesn't have a fire under his ass for no good reason anymore he has like he still wants to do these things but he's willing to let himself take time to do those things because he has other things that make him happy right yeah that was um a lot of stuff yep because it's a whole book it's a whole book <laughs> it's not just 
60 pages of a book. It's a whole ass it's book. It's a whole ass book. And, and it's not that short. No, it's... It's like 420 pages. Right. It's a good chunk of a book. And I've, there's uh, there's obviously things that we have not discussed. Um, no, but there are things in the Wheel of Time we haven't discussed either. Right. And I mean, I've read this twice now. This is not going to be the last time I read it. Um, and there were things that I noticed in my second read that I didn't notice in the first one. Yeah. And not just things that I now knew and were able to go back and look at. Right. Um, like I was, I went back when I was doing the second read through. I know that Zara and Sean are a couple. Mm. So I was finding references to that. And right. I knew about Luna's storyline. So I was able yeah, to go through. Definitely. Um, so I do want to touch one, la- like just to summarize, I guess we've talked a little bit about the writing style. Yeah. So there are a couple of things that I personally am not a huge fan of. A lot of them are genre conventions. Some of it, some of it is specific writing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did, I did enjoy the book. So it's not, I, none of these make me think it's a bad book. One thing I think is a, just straight up bad about this book, though, is the chapters. Oh my god. There could there could have been twice as many chapters and it would have been better and it would have solved some of this like jumping around problems. Yeah, that because is one the, I mean, I it's four hundred and twenty pages and there are only fifteen chapters. Thirty chapters would have allowed breaks in scenes that needed to be there. Yeah, that is I agree with that as well. It was something that I was having a hard time with when I was reading, especially like trying to break it up. I ended up reading the first one the first time I read it, I ended up reading most of the novel in one day. But if the chapters had been shorter, I might have been able to like read a chapter before bed and like but if yeah. you sit to read a chapter before like, bed okay, when's it gonna be done yeah you're like, then, oh, then you're like 30 pages later and you're like okay well there's still 10 pages left in the chapter but then there's only one chapter left and that that chapter is still 100 pages yeah the chapter breaks are not the best no they need to be shorter. They needed to be shorter. Uh, I touched on this a little bit earlier, kind of like the stitching in between scenes. Yeah. It worked in some places. It didn't work in others. It, mm-hmm. it worked when they were apart, and it didn't work that well for me when they were together. Oh. That one's just an objective opinion, I think. I think the chapter breaks, literally, I just, I think they, if you cut the number of chapters, if you cut the number of chapters in two, that's the wrong way. Yep. If you doubled the number of chapters, it would just straight up be better. Yeah. The other thing I'm not a huge fan of, and this is just because I don't like romance as a genre that much, is the pacing. It felt breakneck from the start. And that's really funny because I mark this as a more medium-paced book. God. (laughs) I don't know. Oof. Yikes. That's like, because I've read some novel, romance novels that are not, don't even break 300 pages. So those are like yeah. super fast. Well, and notably, my the parts I like about this the most are the slower parts. I like um, that like extended bit where they're emailing. Mm-hmm. That that's a long bit, yeah, and it it moves at a good at a good pace. It's not too fast. It's not too slow. Uh, I like when they're in the museum because like it, there's time for thing for impact. There's yeah. time for impact. It's not just impact, impact, impact. It's just like okay. It's considered. Yeah. But and, I mean, this also goes to, I could, I would have appreciated Eye of the World being about 250 to 300 pages shorter. Oh yeah. Even I think Eye of the World could be about a hundred pages shorter. But like, that's even, this is the difference in pages. Like I, like that, that is a super, like that's a sloth paced book for yeah. me. Well, it's epic fantasy. Cause I have read some slow paced romance novels, which I mean, in terms of just novels in general, they're probably fast paced, but in terms of romance, this is a medium paced book for okay. me. And then the last, thing that I it gets better it just takes longer than I'd like for it to get better partially as a result of the pacing is that a lot of the characters are really gimmicky for the first half yeah June never gets out of it which is unfortunate June is always kind of like the like plucky older sister type 
Yeah, she. They. There is like the protective older sibling. That is something that is very like a hallmark of romance novels yeah. is that the side characters do tend to have like one thing that really stands out about them. Yeah, and like so, some of the characters, the one that bothered me the most in the first half, the big a lot better is Nora. Nora for the first half of the book is I am numbers person. I am I know how to do numbers and analyze data, and that's all she does every time she's in a scene. Mm-hmm. And then she's given room to not do that, and she becomes a much, much better character. But there are other characters like um, the dad, Oscar. Oscar Diaz, is just dad. But he's also in, like, 15 pages. That's true. So it's not as big a deal with him. Uh, Zara is that she's that type of character. I, I don't really have like an archetype for her. Type A, definitely. But and she's scary. that type of character, and she doesn't ever get away from it. Zara is very scary. Sure, I'm scared of that woman. Yeah, like even the like the like twisty revelations with her and Sean just doesn't change who she is as a character at all. That's fair, and I think I mean it is also a standalone. So yeah. And you, you you tend not to read standalones. I do not. Um, and I think that's just a difference in genre. Is, yeah. Um, I think that I totally agree that in in romance, the side characters can sometimes be gimmicky. And and but I like with red, white, and royal blue. I think that one of the things I do like is that even though each of the characters have like their thing, there is more development to them. It's not. I agree. They're, they're... June's not just the older sister, but that is the thing that stands about stands out about her the right. most. Same and... with the like he's not just the older sister who has a substance abuse problem. Like right. she, there's more to her. And I think that's what makes this book good is that even when the characters are gimmick like it wasn't enough to like really bother me and it did get better. And there is still depth even within that right. gimmick, sort of and not really gimmick, but just like that. They've got their thing. Yeah, I think having read the whole book now, I, I brought this up when I was about halfway through that they seemed really good. Okay, having read the whole book now, the only one who I think is especially bad for is Zara. Yeah, I can kind of see that. I think part she's, of it... She's not really a character and just a plot point. She's just a part of the plot. Yeah. And less a character. But I think that she's more of like a guest character than she is one of, like, if we're breaking it out into characters, sure. it's like obviously Alex and Henry, the main characters. Yeah. The secondary characters would be the other of the super so yeah and the the main characters are also very well developed that is something that you said right from the beginning is that you like henry you said henry felt the best developed do you yeah, still yeah I, I still feel that and i i know that like the main character you're seeing henry through alex's eyes and so of course he's going to be the most developed and alex is going to be less developed just because you, you you're not in henry's head you're in alex's head right and you're and that's something that i always find when i read romance novels is i tend to always like the love interest you're supposed to. More than the main character, at least with single POV. Just because you're reading that character through the eyes of someone falling in love with them. Yeah. Um, that's why I would give anything to read this book from, Henry. from Henry's perspective. Yeah. Like, one, I just want to hear some of his inner monologue when Alex is flirting with him or commenting on how hot Henry's dad is. Yeah. And wondering, like, I and being like, I am very deeply gay and cannot handle this. Yeah. I want to hear that inner monologue, but I also want, like, if I was reading this from Henry's perspective, one, I think the time shift would be different. It would probably cover from Rio, which is when they first meet. Yeah. We didn't really touch on that. Um, But it would cover from Rio to the end, so you'd get, like, yeah. more. Right. Um, and you'd get to see how Henry feels about Alex in a different... I, I almost think it would be better 
a prequel for this would be better if it were just Rio to Cakegate. Oh, that would be good. Just mm. entirely new, no overlap, but you know what happens. Oh, there's probably I. There's almost certainly. There's fan almost certainly fan fiction, and there is fan fiction of certain scenes written from Henry's perspective, and I've read them. They're great. Oh, of course, I would like Casey McQuiston to write them, but I know <laughs> that that's not possible. So I will just yep. be grateful for the lovely gift that my friends on Archive of Our Own have given me yeah. to fill the void. Yes. So we don't really have since this is a special episode. Really and this is our first. Segments. Yeah, there is since this is our first special episode, and this is the first romance novel you've ever read there's not really any recurring segments that we can have other than favorite moments and i think i will also add favorite character favorite character okay that one i think henry's my favorite character i agree henry's my favorite character yeah (laughs) i mean i I, like i can see myself in henry a lot yeah i'm not gay i do but i can see myself in henry i see more of myself in alex but I think that's that's also why I like Henry more. He's just that's fair. Love Henry. So my favorite moment is the aftermath of the letters getting leaked or the emails because they're, they're emails. Uh, it just felt it was really well done. That's another one. She takes time. It's it's disjointed. It's segments in time. But there's the one kind of unifying theme of Alex is having a week long panic attack. Yep, and so is Henry. Like, so is Henry. And yeah. So like that. It's just really well done, and it feels really realistic. It does. I really. I. Definitely that is one of my more favorite moments. Um, mine also is the water letters, but more specifically just, just the, the actual, the actual letters. letters. And that phone call on the plane afterwards. Just like the sigh of relief when Henry mm. hears Alex's voice. Yeah. It like I just I'm just emotional thinking about it. Yeah. <laughs> when the letters just make me so emotional. Like I just yeah. They stick with me. They were good. They were well written. How I, like just both of them. I mean, Henry's letters are more eloquent, but there is something beautiful about Hen or Alex's trying to be eloquent. Yeah. And like I especially love the I'm drunk talking about maps one. Yeah, yeah. That one's good. Um yeah, I just love the Waterloo letters. Yeah. Overall, good book. So would you read more romance novels? Again, not unprompted. It's definitely not my genre, but I'm making you read a bunch of Wheel of time so you're gonna be able to make me read some more romance novels that's fair i will try to pick good ones that's good because i have no problem tearing one apart that's uh, there are some that i love that i know that you will not enjoy so i will not have you read them but there are some and i'm kind of determined to find out your favorite trope we'll find out how did you feel about the enemies to lovers didn't really feel like enemies like more like rivals Sort of. Okay. I mean, it's clearly unrequited love. How did you feel about the like royal and a commoner? Because that's a big, tro- that's a trope. Ambivalent. Okay. I mean, it's not really royal and a commoner. It's the first son. He's not royalty. No. But the the, the thing of the book, it's the yeah. America's first, <laughs> closest thing to a prince. That's fair. It's not a commoner. That's fair. Yeah. So I mean, I think overall, this is objectively, I think it's about four stars out of five. Okay. My personal enjoyment of it, probably closer to a three. Mm-hmm. Just, it's not what I read. Right. But I can acknowledge that things are good Mm -hmm. independently of how much I enjoy them. Yeah. I did not enjoy this. Obviously a five-star read for me. If I had a higher ranking system, it would, it it is like the definition of a five-star book for me. Yeah. It's like I compare how I feel about all five-star books to Red, White, Royal Blue. Totally fair. Yeah, this was Red, White, and Royal Blue. I said it right. You did. Um, We will be starting Season 2 on August 22nd. The Great Hunt. The Great Hunt. Uh, We will be covering the prologue and chapters 1 through 5. Yeah. So we will start that on August 22nd. 
We'll be back to the Wheel of Time. Yep. Be back to hearing me gush about Lan instead of Alex and Henry. That quote from earlier. Lan. Is from this book. Oh! Lan Mandragoran owns my heart. Yes. In the Wheel of Time universe. <laughs> All right. All right. Bye. Bye.